Welcome to the Tex-Ags Maroon and White Report, an hour-long Aggie football show heard weekly on the CRM Sports Network in this station. I'm your host, Gabe Bach. The Aggies took care of business in their final home game of the season on Saturday, dominating South Carolina en route to a 30-6 victory. A&M gained 540 yards, including a season-best 319 on the ground, and held South Carolina to only 45 rushing yards, 10 of which came from their punter. The Gamecocks were just 2 of 15 on third down. A&M's running back tandem of Isaiah Spiller and Cordarian Richardson each went over 120 on the ground. Spiller rushed for 129, and Richardson gained 130 and a touchdown on just six carries. He also had a TD receiving and ran the ball inside the one-yard line from 31 yards out. That close to a three-touchdown day for A&M's number two running back, Cordarian Richardson. The Aggies take their four-game winning streak into Athens this week for a battle with number four Georgia between the hedges. And coming up on the program, we'll jump into the matchup with South Carolina and pick SEC games of Week 12. Joined by Olin Buchanan, Texas columnist, along with Cole Kublick of the SEC Network, and legendary former Georgia Bulldogs football coach Vince Dooley. All that and more next on the Tex-Ags Maroon and White Report, CRM Sports Network. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. (laughs) Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. Message and data rates may apply. TNC and privacy terms can be found at bevel.com slash terms. Please don't text and drive. Have you wanted to speak a new language, but you thought it'd be too hard or take too much time? Then try Babbel for free by texting WORLD to 64000. In just 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. And right now, you can try Babbel for free. Babbel starts out teaching you words and phrases by matching them with pictures. You won't believe how easy the interactive program is. Soon the sentences get a little bigger, and before you know it, you're having simulated conversations voiced by native speakers. And because Babbel is crafted by language experts and uses the spaced repetition method, in just 10 to 15 minutes a day, you'll be speaking the language of your choice with real confidence. With Babbel, you can speak a language. Just text WORLD to 64000 and start your first lesson in the language of your choice for free. Download the Babbel app or text WORLD to 64000 and try it for free. Text W-O-R-L-D to 64000. From ooh to aww. Whatever reaction you're looking for this holiday, spread more joy with holiday cards, calendars, and photo gifts from Vistaprint. And now you can get up to 50% off all holiday cards and calendars at Vistaprint.com. Discover cards in the latest trends or fill a calendar with your favorite photos. So make more merry at Vistaprint.com with up to 50% off all holiday cards and calendars. Plus great deals on photo gifts. Just enter code HOLIDAY50 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com. Code HOLIDAY50. As a business owner, your daily focus is on increasing sales, decreasing expenses, and maximizing profit. And while you may have insurance for your business, you may not know if the coverage is adequate or if you're paying too much. With Dexter and Company Insurance, they'd like to help you out. Since 1876, Dexter and Company has been serving the business, home, and auto insurance needs of Texans for a reason. They provide the most comprehensive insurance coverage at the best price. For a quote on your insurance, call 764-8444 or click DexterCompany.com and see what Dexter and Company can do for you. Welcome back to the Tex-Ags Maroon and White Report on the CRM Sports Network. We want to always start by looking back, and we'll analyze the win over South Carolina in the final home game of the regular season this past Saturday, 30-6, to as Olin Buchanan, Tex-Ags columnist and Heisman voter, joins us in studio. You know, first, I just think what a complete game it was, but uh, I guess if anything really stood out to me, it would be first, it, it, I think I would put, uh, I think I'd put offensive. Uh, defensive was amazing. The defense was amazing. You only give up two field goals. One of those was trash, and I don't even know why, why Muschamp kicked it. Yeah, uh, that didn't impact Vegas or anything. <laughs> right, but you, you think, uh, well, you know, Brian Edwards wasn't playing, mm-hmm. and Shy Smith surely was was limited. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to take away from the, yeah, from it was the defensive performance. Mm-hmm. 
But I was going to say, if I was going to, if I, if I've got to pick one that impressed me most, you know, that would be something that I'd have to take into consideration. Whereas the 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 defense, you know, we, we've talked about how good that defensive front was for for South Carolina, and then to go out and run the football the way you ran the football, yes, is just uh, to to me, um, you know, if I had to pick one, that's how I would, uh, you know, come up with the difference. And really, OB. Is delineate the right word? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good little line of delineation, how yeah. you do that. But really, and it was kind of sloppy for a big chunk of it, and then they just kept wearing them down. And Jimbo continued to stick with the game plan, and then all of a sudden he got that two-back going with Spiller and Richardson, and Mon gave you Mon gave you what Kellen Moore up until last week, you know, didn't do and hasn't done enough of this year with Dak. You don't need much. What Dak have six carries for eighteen yards yesterday, and it helped a lot. Uh, Kellen didn't have to do a ton in the game running the football. He had ten carries. That also counts sacks. He had a couple mm-hmm. sacks against him, fifty-seven yards before a ten-yard loss in sack yardage. But uh, and he did just enough, which was good, and fuel, helped fuel that uh, that run game with Richardson. Six carries for one thirty and a touchdown. Also had a seventeen-yard mm-hmm. touchdown catch on a wheel route, and then Isaiah Spiller. 20 a workman lack 24 for 129 and as the game wore on so did south carolina's great defensive front and the aggies were able to lean on them. yeah when you keep the ball for uh what was about 70 percent of the game yeah over 41 uh, you know, minutes. more than two-thirds of the game you had the ball um and yeah you wore them down and um i i don't know if that's how jimbo really wants to play all the time but this is how to win now, and uh, uh, and it was a good it was a good sound strategy, and it worked. And he was patient. Uh, there were some times that they could have, you know, they, they they did you know that they could have uh, stretched the lead, uh, and maybe it wouldn't have been it maybe it shouldn't have been as close as it was. Oh yeah, there settled for too many field goals. Goal. In there. there was a, mm-hmm. a bad call that essentially took away a touchdown. Two for five in the red zone, getting touchdowns. So uh, bad call on Osmond. Yeah, it was it was terrible. But uh, but you know they they stuck to what they wanted to do and they, they saw what was working and just kept at it. And you brought in uh, a fresh Cordarian Richardson, and uh, man, what a great move that was. Yes, there's your move of the week, right? I, I think it is. We're <laughs> going to get to that in just a second. I think you're exactly right. And then defensive, just a dominant show. I mean, they held South Carolina to six points. That's the second fewest points that an SEC team has scored on A&M since the Aggies joined the SEC mm-hmm. in 2012. you got to go back to the shutout at Vanderbilt in 2015. Since then, A&M, going back to 2012 when the Aggies got in the league, they hadn't held another opponent under a touchdown. And they held this opponent without a touchdown, just two field goals and a six-point total on the board. Also, just what they're able to do against the run because – South Carolina can run it a little bit. Now, I'm not saying they're great, and they were a little banged up. They can run it a little bit, OB, but to hold them to 45, because the run game's given A&M fits a little bit here lately, to hold them to 45, 10 of that was on a <laughs> what looked like a surefire block punt where he just was able to trickle away for 10 yards. I mean, their punter was two off of their team lead in rushing <laughs> with 10 yards. So yeah, 10 and, of those and, 45 and, were their punter. And, see, and, there's, and on top of that, there's only one sack in there right, for five yards. Yes. So that's... So what you can't even you know point to the sack yard and say well it's deceiving no I mean that was just the um, the the best game that the the run defense had played all year oh yeah uh, without a doubt and uh, man that they, they were they, they were just excellent they were excellent and and new faces continued to emerge remember a couple of weeks we're talking about Devin Morris a couple of weeks we're talking about Clifford Chapman and then on comes some of these other guys here <clears> comes <throat> Elijah Blades here about the Mississippi somewhere in there certainly Ole Miss. And then you look up now, and Michael Clemens is starting to make plays. How about that? We've been I waiting on Michael that. Michael Clemens played a really strong game. I would say he played his best game. Oh, well, without a doubt, in my opinion. Yes. He didn't play at all last year, barely played the year before, and has been very underwhelming this year and was good the other day. So he was active. Anthony Hines had two and a half no, tackles. Anthony Hines off. was probably the best defensive player on the field. Yeah, I'd have to say it. Made loud plays, I mean, made sound plays. Justin Matter BK was good as always. Mm-hmm. Um, Kublik said Buddy down on the field. Buddy Johnson was played great really well. Yeah, always. He's sound. Yeah. But how about Leon? Guy would say he's his best hits. play. Big hits all yep. over the place. Jarred that tight end, that ball loose from the tight end, had a targeting that was reversed. 
Big hits for Leon. That was good to see. And you then know, Oliver. That, that, six uh, that, well, yeah, Oliver too. So, um, but that, you know, we, we've talked about this, the frustration. Now, officials, anytime it's a hard hit, they just throw the the, the flag and just say, mm-hmm. okay, targeting, just because yeah. it's a hard hit. And, exactly. And I was, that play happened. I was on the sideline then. And that play happened probably 10 feet in front of me. And there was no way that was targeted. It was a loud pop because his helmet hit the shoulder pad. Yeah, so oh, that must be targeting. Mean, yeah. But I'm sitting there looking at it. That's not targeting. No, he didn't football. hit him with his helmet. Last I checked, that's football. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. We'll have more with Olin Buchanan next on the Tex-Ags Maroon and White Report, CRM Sports Network. Gabe Bach with you. It is the Tex-Ags Maroon and White Report on the CRM Sports Network. The impressive ability of Jimbo Fisher to produce productive running games year in and year out. He's going to just eat, sleep, and breathe 1,000-yard backs. And it didn't look like that was going to happen this year after Jay Sean Corbin got hurt. Isaiah Spiller comes in. He struggles a lot to start SEC play. But he's really gotten it rolling now, and he's about 204 yards away from 1,000. And then defensively, coordinator Mike Elko consistently developing part-time contributors into key producers with this nickel-slash-rover position of his, putting five DBs on the field and turning guys' careers around that may used to have played corner or safety, putting them in this nickel has been huge for guys like Chuck Oliver, Devin Morris, uh, last year Deshaun Caper-Smith, and and, uh, Clifford Chapman. He was non-existent until he played this nickel position. Now, all of a sudden, these guys are coming to life at that spot. With that, we're back in, We're back with Olin Buchanan here discussing both of those facts, the productive run games of Jimbo Fisher and the productive nickel in Mike Elko's defense. What you want is, you know, you always want depth and you want uh, a lot of talent. And I think they have a lot of talent, but you can always add more and let the best guy play. And, uh, and, and you know, uh, you, you'll have the two back sets, and sometimes you know guys need rest and all those things. So you just can't have too many, you know, bullets in the chamber. Yes, no and, doubt. Uh, so they're they're trying to load them all up. Yeah, that's going to be very interesting to see because going into next year, and you knew you weren't going to win a national championship this year. So going into next year, you should be better off if Corbin comes back 100% healthy because of the development of Spiller. <laughs> you got Spiller, and all of a sudden Richardson, who could have been buried had it not been for these injuries. Just gives you another option that you trust. Now you got trust factor in these guys, so they're going to play, and you keep these dudes healthy. And you you remember keep when them fresh? Remember when? Uh, yeah, two years ago. I'll give you a great example is uh, Chubb and Michelle. Well, they're doing pretty darn good in the NFL right now, aren't they? They also didn't have a whole lot for guys that were four year players. Didn't have a lot of tread on those tires because they were able to split time. And then two years ago, when they made the championship, they had DeAndre Swift mm-hmm. and Holyfield. And I don't think anybody's complaining about that. Well, wasn't that long ago they had? Chubb, Michelle, and Swift. That's what I'm saying. Two in. years ago. Yeah. So, and Holyfield. So, you know, uh, and it all works out. There's, uh, what was it last year at, at Alabama? Uh, you look, look at the guys they had. Yeah. Uh, you know, so. Najee uh, Harris, the other Harris. And, uh, and, and then Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is starting for the Raiders and never started at Alabama. Dra- first round draft choice. Yeah. So, exactly. Um, you know, on, th- th- that's what you're looking for. That kind yeah. of. Uh, that kind of uh, uh, ability and that kind of depth. And, uh, you know, uh, guys have learned, running backs have learned that it's uh, it's okay to share the load uh, because, it, like you just said, it keeps them fresher and enhances their, their professional prospects and all those things. So uh, you can't no have doubt. too many. All right, so let's do topic two real quick. I want your opinion on that. Uh, what's been more impressive then? Jimbo's ability to produce that running back so consistently throughout his head coaching career or Elko and what he's doing at this nickel spot because guys were really buried. All of a sudden they became players. Yeah, to me, okay, to me, uh, it's the running back situation. And I don't mean to – I don't mean to devalue what Elko has done because we've seen some guys struggle in that nickel back uh, here. Yes, but still prior to his arrival. Yeah, but still, the fact of the matter is that as a nickelback, typically you're matching up against another team's number three option. Unless he's like a swope kind of guy. Well, it may be, but 
does everybody have a no, swoop gun? Okay. So typically you're going against the other team's number three option, whereas you're a running back. If When you're running, you have 11 guys coming at you. And um, and then when you bring in that element of two backs or giving a you know some other guys a shot, um, you know it's not like the old days when you typically got thirty to forty carries. So if you can got a guy that can consistently produce a thousand yards, um, that to me that's that's mind boggling. Uh, I think I looked it up, and this is not going to be the case this year. But I think I looked it up in the off season. And Jimbo Fisher's running backs had led its conference. In like four of the last five years, and, and that—that's kind of—I may be off on that, but I don't think I am. Maybe it's three or four. I think it's four or five. Yeah. You know that—that—that's a, a crazy stat. And and quite frankly, it's, if you knew what you had with Spiller right away, or if Jay Sean Corbin had not gotten hurt, I think you'd have a great opportunity uh, to lead the league in rushing again. Uh, but but I think it's still going to be pretty remarkable. Uh, especially if you consider the the you know starting from behind, if Spiller reaches a thousand yards, I think he's got to average about seventy five yards in the last three games, and I think that's very doable. But uh, again, so in my mind, it's it's the running back yeah. thing. But I can understand if someone says it's the it's the nickelback. Well, when I think about as a host, the best topics and questions, and I don't always come up with a list topics, but I feel like the best topic is uh, one that's difficult for me to give an answer for. And I take an opinion side on these uh, a lot, most often. And this was absolutely one that I was torn on. And I wanted to kind of see what the mm-hmm. Aggie, what, what the Aggie Network was saying about it. Yeah, I was just kind of wondering what the Aggies are, are thinking on this, on this question. Because I'm very impressed with both. I mean, it's really crazy to think about Spiller's on the cut. He's at 796 rushing yards. And his first three SEC games, he ran for 32 yards on 27 carries. Is that right? 36 yards on 27 carries. 36 and didn't play much early. And had a fumble in all three games. Well, hadn't fumbled in the last three games. And he's run for almost 300 in the last three SEC games, not to mention going for, what, over 200 in the UTSA game. Well, he's got a difficult run defense coming up this week and a very mundane, mediocre run defense in the second game at LSU. And then whatever you get in the bowl game, he's got. He needs two hundred and three, two hundred and four yards. I think he's going to get it. That's unbelievable. But you know, I'm looking at these other guys too at nickel. And Deshaun Caper Smith did nothing until Elko got here and he moved into nickel. He had about ten, nine and a half tackles for loss last year. Made a bunch of plays behind the line. Nice senior year. Elam had done nothing until they put him in nickel. Now, unfortunately, he's not with the team, but he had a nice little run. Well, now what are you going to do? How do you replace Elam? He was a spark, spark for you. And they put Chapman in there out of nowhere. This guy, like, is he? does he even exist? We've been waiting for it. At the nickel, he does. He's making plays. The Devin Morris stuff, when they put him in on third down. And now the latest guy, uh, who's been much maligned throughout his career, number 21, Charles Oliver, and what he did the other day, by far his best game. Looks like he's settling into the nickel spot as well. So that's pretty crazy to see that he's taking a bunch of guys that weren't highly recruited, weren't highly regarded, and f- just figuring it out and making ch- chicken salad out of that nickel spot. And guys are actually making plays out there in the spot. Yeah. Ha- otherwise, they haven't. And I think what you're seeing a lot of times is guys that are, uh, you know, seniors mm-hmm. that uh, finally maybe it's taken this long to figure out what was the best place for them. Yeah. Uh, and, and you're seeing some guys that are that are responding in that in that role. So no, I, again, I don't want to say that. I didn't mean to diminish. Oh, of course not. What 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 they've done with that position? I just go back to the you know for the reasons yeah. I said. When you're the running back and every you got 11 guys coming at you and to, and then you start other defenses start understanding that what you do with the run game and try to key on that and things oh, yeah. like that and still be consistently productive with different guys is is pretty impressive. I think I'd go 51-49 running backs just because of what he's been able to do without the two guys he thought he'd have. He thought he'd be rolling right now with Jackson and Corbin, and these guys looked amazing in the spring, and they thought Corbin was their best offensive player until he got hurt. So what he's been able to do with that position is, is absolutely remarkable. I thought the 1,000-yard back streak would totally end this year, but it looks like it's not. 
Let's go to Kendall, little mobile social center here, and check in the Commerce National Bank text line. Kendall? So, NY Aggie on this football topic said, Elko, due to the fact that we haven't had elite talent or speed at the corner and have had some injuries, yet he keeps plugging in guys and getting them to produce at the nickel spot. Great testament to his coaching abilities. Texag subscriber NC um, second said the development of Spiller and Weidermeyer in the biggest shock, the great game that Oliver played against South Carolina. Okay. Mike Ag 04, the run game has definitely caught my eye, and what is really impress- impressive is the two-back combination that I believe Jimbo is on to something there. Spiller and Richardson are developing into some amazing backs. Can't wait to see them grow in this offense. Thanks to all of you, Cannon. We'll go in the trenches with Cole Kublik of the SEC Network next on the Tex Ag's Maroon and White Report, CRM Sports Network. Well, look who's home. How was your day, hon? Uh, you know, stressful, exhausting. Lay down on me and we'll talk about it. Oh, Purple Mattress, you know how to support me. Hey, I'm just a mattress doing my job. You're more than that. You're a Purple Mattress. Who cares about a bed with numbers when I have your Purple Grid to comfort my body's pressure points? And forget memory foam. Your non-toxic, hyper-elastic polymer minimizes heat, keeping me cool and comfortable the whole night through. If you're happy, I'm happy. But you do have up to 100 days to return me for a full refund. And give up the best night's sleep I've had since I learned to walk? No way. You're the only one I want to come home to. Purple Mattress. You too can come home to a Purple Mattress by texting OFFER to 84888. Take advantage of our best Black Friday sale ever and save up to $400 when you buy a mattress and premium sleep bundle by texting OFFER to 84888. That's keyword O-F-F-E-R to 84888. See purple.com for terms and conditions. Message and data rates may apply. TNC and privacy terms can be found at bevel.com slash terms. Please don't text and drive. Have you wanted to speak a new language, but you thought it'd be too hard or take too much time? Then try Babbel for free by texting WORLD to 64000. In just 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. And right now, you can try Babbel for free. Babbel starts out teaching you words and phrases by matching them with pictures. You won't believe how easy the interactive program is. Soon the sentences get a little bigger, and before you know it, you're having simulated conversations voiced by native speakers. And because Babbel is crafted by language experts and uses the spaced repetition method, in just 10 to 15 minutes a day, you'll be speaking the language of your choice with real confidence. With Babbel, you can speak a language. Just text WORLD to 64000 and start your first lesson in the language of your choice for free. Download the Babbel app or text WORLD to 64000 and try it for free. Text W-O-R-L-D to 64000. Hi, Gabe Bach here from TechSags Radio. And if you're not currently a premium or varsity level subscriber to TechSags.com, what are you waiting for? TechSags.com is the inside source for all things Aggie sports, the leaders in breaking news coverage, in-depth analysis, recruiting scoop, and more. Whether it's exclusive long-form interviews with Aggie players and coaches or insight on the next big recruit on his way to Aggieland, nobody covers A&M like TechSags. Jump on board now and don't miss out on the very best in A&M sports coverage. It's TechSags.com. Gabe Bach with you on the Tex Ags Maroon and White Report on the CRM Sports Network, and it's time to go in the trenches, talking Aggie football and jumping around the SEC with Cole Kublik joining us right now on the hotline. Now let's start with A&M in South Carolina. You're the field analyst. You're down there on the field and on the sidelines. It was a 30-6 Aggie victory. Uh, some really good takeaways in there. What did you see overall? I thought Justin Manabike had a nice game. Uh, I thought Cal Mon had a nice game. It took a little while to get the offense rolling. Uh, yeah. I, I think you uh, you obviously had uh, a couple things that didn't go your way early on. It's, it's still a good South Carolina defensive line, so I wasn't panic button on that just yet. But um, I, I think the defense was solid. I think the defense did not allow the run game to get going for South Carolina. That was something that had to happen. And then they were able to consistently pressure Ryan Holinsky. And there was just there was no room for that offense to really get any rhythm going. And I think maybe you saw uh, maybe a reason as to why. And I asked Jimbo this for the game. I said, you know, why, have you have you given much thought to just going to being more of a pass first offense? Because it just from a football common sense perspective, it feels like you got these receivers, you got this quarterback, you're not having a ton of success running first. And could that work? And he said, yeah, we, we've thought about it, but. 
obviously not who I am, and we could be more of that in the future, but you know, right now we, we want to continue to try to get this thing going. And I think maybe you saw the value in sort of being patient with that run game because it really did come on strong in the second half and showed you that uh, this offensive line is improving. I, mean, I, I think Jared Hawker's gotten a lot better. You know, I think you, you, you've been playing a true freshman at right guard all year. I think you're seeing him improve. His mistakes are being cut down. So I, I think you saw some growth in how that offense is going to be managed moving forward. Yeah, the two-back look worked really well, you know, and I, do you think A&M could find some success on in that call? You know, Jimbo yesterday, or I guess it was after the game, said the thing about two-back is what's old is new, what's new is old. And it's like the, when the spread became in vogue and people weren't used to practicing against it. Well, now everybody is, but nobody's used to practicing against two-back, and A&M's found the horses now to do that well. But I'm sure Georgia sees it a little more because they had – you know, that's part of what they do. Do you think that could work in Athens against a great run defense? Yeah, I asked him after the game in, in my interviews, you know, why why was that critical to you having some more success? And he kind of mentioned that too, so that people don't see a whole lot of it. Yeah. And then also said uh, it's it's something that helps us get a little bit more talent on the field. And I think when you, you, you become you become more even when you have when you run two back. So obviously it's no big surprise when people see shotgun with one back offset to the right. How many runs can you can you go with there? Two or three? When you got two back in, all of a sudden that opens up your playbook. And you've got fifteen, twenty different runs that you can throw out there. So I think forcing the defense to defend your entire offense becomes much more realistic in two back. And that's one thing that helps them out. And I think tight ends are the same way. Uh, I think I think some of this offense and how it's going now is is attributed to Weidemeyer not only being a good blocker but being dynamic when he catches the football and then being able to find some mismatches there. Um, it's 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 still a little early to start spinning forward, but I I couldn't help this weekend being around the program, being around some of the guys, sitting down with Kellen Mond, you know, watching film to prepare for that game and seeing the tight ends, seeing the running backs, seeing the receivers, and just thinking to myself, man, this offense could legitimately have everybody back next year. And this group of backs and tight ends with a mobile quarterback on top of the receivers that they have could be very difficult to defend. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see who decides to stick around and what this offense might be capable of next year. Yeah, absolutely. And Baylor Cup will come back off injury and Sean Corbin will come back off injury and they're they're not finished recruiting either. So it is exciting. You still got got Logan Beal tight. I don't even talk about him, but he's a guy who can absolutely help you. So, I mean, that tight end room could be really good next year. Yeah, it could. Now, are you more confident that the Ags will run it effectively against Georgia or that they'll slow down the run enough against Georgia? Because they're playing a team that does both of those very, very well. Uh, more confident that they'll slow the run down. Okay. Um, just because I think Buddy Johnson's playing really good ball right now. We know what the defensive line is. Matabuke looked good last week. Uh, you know, I think you're getting, you're getting some of the young guys up front that are giving you quality reps, getting to emerge. Um, Michael Clemens obviously is a guy who's a little bit better against the run than he is a pass rusher right now. So I think you have, you have more capabilities and more bodies able to help with that. I, when, I mean, I put the Auburn film on, and I see Tyler Clark, and I see Jordan Davis, and I mean that that Georgia front is really good. They they are really good, and I think they're they're not just talented, but they're playing fundamentally sound. The alignment is where it needs to be on almost every down. Uh, they understand their assignments. They're they're playing. They, they've got guys that are playing hard, playing full speed, and they understand where to be and how to get there, and that's that's dangerous. So. Other than Kellen Mond, I, I don't see a lot of rushing yards in A&M's future this weekend. Cole Kublik with us from the SEC Network. It's in the trenches. We do this every Tuesday, and he's with us on the 12th Man Technology Hotline. Give us a quick – you're right in the epicenter there. Give us a quick reaction to Tua's injury, and then just kind of looking forward, like way forward. Do you think this increases Bama's chances of getting him back next year so that he can prove health, or do you think he's pro-bound no matter what? Me personally, no. I, I think you take sort of the the Jalen Smith, Chumo, Kiki approach here and say, someone's still going to draft me and I can go get paid to rehabilitate for a year, so to yeah. speak. Um, I mean, because honestly, let, let, let's say that things are on track and let's, let's go back to Willis McGahee, where he couldn't go to the combine, he couldn't work out, and... 
you know, his agent works some magic, and he ends up coming off the board a lot earlier than any of us thought. I mean, if, if, if things are on track and he's able to show range of motion and he's able to show maybe a little bit of weight bearing and able to go around and do some things, um, I'm trying to think when workouts would start happening, you know, say February, January, and around time for the combine, he's able to be there, go through interviews, allow some medical professionals to evaluate him. All those things are happening, and you don't think – I mean, I'm just asking you personally. You, you don't think somebody's going to spend a late first-round pick on him? Oh, of course they are, yeah. So now all of a sudden he ends up in a better football team, in a better situation where maybe he doesn't have to play year one, year two, and he's sure. able to rehabilitate for a year. That team doesn't need him, but they know they have their quarterback of the future. So I just, I'm, he's still going to make really good money at that spot. I mean, he comes off the board 20th, 25th, still making really good money. He's getting paid to rehabilitate for a year, and you know he doesn't have to worry about being injured as a college player again. I, I personally don't think that we'll see Tua in an Alabama uniform again. Cole, who's your trenches player from last week, buddy? Well, there's some, there's some good ones out there. I thought Jonathan Grenard at Florida had a great game. I thought Justin Matabike had a really nice game against South Carolina. He was in the mix for it, but I thought Auburn defensive tackle Derek Brown may have put his best film on last week against Georgia. I mean, it was wow. it was really fun to watch. It was impressive to see against one of the best offensive lines in college football. And I mean, speaking of coming back and making money, this young man has really helped himself by coming back. We're talking about a top five pick. We're talking about a guy that's going to be in the discussion in the top three. I mean, Derek Brown has been that good this year, and yeah. he was a destructive force against the Georgia Bulldogs last week. All right, so before we let you go, it's kind of a clunk, the annual clunker week in the SEC other than A&M at Georgia. But I guess you are you are you at Mizzou? That's got to be the second best game, Tennessee at Missouri. We got Mizzou. I'm in, uh, I'm in DeKalb, Illinois right now. I got Eastern Michigan and Northern Illinois tonight. Ooh, in the booth? 630. I'm in the booth for that one, so definitely check out some action tonight. Oh, yeah, then, we yeah, will. We'll be, we'll be in Columbia, Missouri Saturday night, Tennessee at Missouri. Jeremy Pruitt trying to keep that thing rolling. One of the biggest turnarounds, really midseason, in the SEC that I can remember in the last 10, 15 years if they can keep this thing going. Oh, that's huge, dude. Kublik in the booth for some action. Yeah, we're getting into it right now, Cole. Thank you so much, brother. As always, I know you're a busy man, and we'll catch you very, very soon. Thanks, Gabe. Thanks to Cole Kublik. We'll come back with legendary Georgia Bulldog Vince Dooley next on the Texas Maroon and White Report, CRM Sports Network. It is the Tex-Ags Maroon and White Report on the CRM Sports Network, and we want to go right out to the hotline right now and visit with a Georgia icon. Although he went to Auburn, his only after leaving Auburn as a grad assistant, he moved to Georgia and became their head football coach and was there 25 years, and then he became the AD. Really, in his adulthood, has had one job, and it's the University of Georgia, now 87 years old, and a true Georgia Bulldog legend, former football coach Vince Dooley with us right now. Coach, welcome to the show. How are you? Well, doing well. Uh, it's been uh, too long since A&M came, and uh, once they come, it's going to be a long time afterwards. So I hope that they'll somehow change that where we can rotate within the conference a lot more than what we do right now. Well, I wholeheartedly agree, Coach. A&M's only been in the league eight years, and this is the first time we've seen you. Uh, yeah. Since he joined the league, I, maybe a nine-game schedule would open it up where you could play some more games, or maybe there there's a lot of smart people in Birmingham, coach, and and decision makers. I think they could probably figure out a way to do this a little bit better. I'm sure they can if they all agree on it, which is hard to do sometimes. <laughs> That's probably the biggest hurdle, I think. Now, how much is Athens? How about the the old Ags who probably made that trip and wanted to see what Athens, Georgia, was really like in 1980, and maybe check out this guy who had truck Bill Bates and a 16-15 to 15 game in his very first game and see if the Aggies could hold up against Herschel. Yeah, that was a long time ago, Coach. That was two months before I was born, 39 years ago. How much has Athens changed over the last four decades? Well, it's, it's getting longer and longer and longer. Uh, yeah, Athens has changed uh, a lot, but in a lot of ways, not. It's a, you know, it's a college town. It will always be that. And uh, 
So uh, the stadium has uh, grown uh, even more since uh, those days. But uh, I, I remember in him coming, it was, I think, our second game. And uh, and I don't remember a lot about the game, except we won uh, handily. But I do remember uh, that uh, that there was this anticipation of Herschel making a long run. And before the game was over, he did make a long run, and that excited all the Georgia people, as you can imagine. Yeah, I can only imagine. A&M played a little bit of a role in the the rise. You'd always had a great program, but the rise to a national championship and Herschel Walker busting on the scene because that was his very first home game as a Georgia Bulldog. Yeah, he uh, had a great year as a freshman. In fact, he had three great years. Yes. Uh, but as a freshman, he broke Tony Dorsett's uh, rushing record uh, in the last ball game against Georgia Tech. So he really had a had a great year. And it was a uh, he was kind of the uh, the missing piece of a puzzle. I really felt like that uh, we had a good solid football team overall. And uh, but uh, we lacked that uh, one great tailback, and uh, and so uh, he won the job uh, in Knoxville and uh, started the second half, and then was a starter for the next three years, and uh, so he was the missing piece of that puzzle that uh, that enabled us to have a great team and to be undefeated. Coach Dooley, do you believe Herschel should have won the Heisman Trophy as a freshman? Well, back in those days, uh, you uh, you could make an argument for it. But back in those days, they really judged it uh, over a period of time. They didn't give it to freshmen yeah. back then. Uh, and uh, that but, uh, particularly year, George Rogers at South Carolina. And there was a tremendous game between South Carolina and Georgia with George Rogers and with Herschel. And Herschel had a great game in that game. But uh, George had, had been consistently good, so he won it. And uh, I kind of favor the idea of somebody winning it over the long haul. You know, that was a pretty amazing season. I'm sure you get asked about it all the time and never get tired of talking about 1980 and never get tired of talking about Herschel because he's just as good a guy as he was a player. Uh, but you beat that number 14 team at home, and then, of course, that set up the game in the Gator Bowl with Florida – and that's not a it's what's so funny is we talk to dog quote unquote dog people and I'm still on the line from Larry Munson there is probably the most iconic play well no doubt was that whole season did not involve Herschel Walker directly did it at the end of that Florida game well it's true we had, we had a complete team uh, and of course what you're talking about is that uh, after coming off of South Carolina which was a really a tough ball game uh, we had to go down and play uh, Florida, and they were well prepared. So it's tough to play uh, big rivals back to back. And uh, Florida had the lead uh, with about uh, a little over a minute to play, and we were backed up. And it looked like our winning streak would be over. But uh, our quarterback Buck Blue hit a player named Lindsey Scott, and uh, Lindsey had the long old legs, and he ran about seventy-five yards for a touchdown. Uh, for us to uh, uh, to win the game, uh, so it is an example that it wasn't all Herschel. Herschel was the primary person, but we had a good quarterback, we had a great receiver, and we also had a great safety man who just went into the Hall of Fame. A guy named Scott Warner, oh, yeah. who absolutely won the game against Clemson. Uh, out there, he intercepted a pass that ran ninety nine yards to the one yard line. And then he returned to punt for a touchdown, and that was our two touchdowns that we had that day to win that ball game. So it was just an example that, well, Herschel was the primary guy. There were some other great players that made great plays throughout that season, and that's true with any team that goes undefeated. I imagine on that long play you were saying, run, Lindsey, but uh, how long did it take you to actually get to hear the audio of the great Larry Munson? And when you think about that season, how 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 uh, often does that – call come back into your mind from Larry Munson? Well, without a doubt, it's the greatest uh, play in Georgia football history because not only did it lead uh, to winning that ball game late when it looked like we were about to lose it, but had we not won that game, we never would have won the national championship. So I think uh, of all the great plays, uh, that uh, that was without a doubt still the best uh, and most memorable of uh, of all the plays, and yeah, 
Larry Munson is a, quite a, a homer, I guess you'd say. He's quite an announcer. And he, I'm just glad I didn't have to listen to him when I was coaching. He would... Uh, he was the most pessimistic uh, announcer I've ever known, but uh, <laughs> certainly a real a legend as an announcer, that's for sure. No doubt about it. Coach Vince Dooley, Georgia icon, with us here on the 12th Man Technology Hotline. Now, one thing that really has never hasn't changed um and very seldom does it around there is the echelon of the georgia football team and they're sitting right there at number four and playing probably the best ball of the year i know you followed them closely what do you think about the job kirby's doing with this particular team here in 2019 well this is the third year in a row that he's won the championship of the east uh and clinched it against auburn in a real tight football game and so Georgia's in that same situation. They're coming off of uh, a, a real tough game, uh, and now having to play uh, A&M, uh, you, 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 you concern yourself about emotional letdown, and uh, you, that's going to be a challenge because A&M has gotten better and better and better because, uh, of course, i got great respect for Jimbo Fisher and known him all the way back to the time he was at Auburn and then at LSU when my son was an assistant coach there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, they have played such a tough schedule, and they're salty now, and uh, they are they have great balance in their football team. I mean, their offense has gotten better and better. Good receivers, the quarterback we know about. Their defense is solid in the kicking game. So in every category, they're in the upper echelon uh, of offense, of defense, and the kicking game. So Georgia better be ready to play because uh, I think it's going to be an incredible challenge for Georgia coming off that victory overall. But Do you have any doubt, Coach Dooley, of what Jimbo is building here in the winter? And you know how supportive they have, mm-hmm. they do, and you know they've got the resources, but they needed the head coach. Do you feel like Jimbo is really building the winter in Aggie Land long term? Yeah, I think if, uh, it was a tre- tremendous uh, selection and, uh, of course, he's being well compensated, I'd have to admit. Um, my wife, every time she reads the newspaper about salaries, she gets bad all over it. <laughs> Big thanks to Vince Dooley for joining us on the program. We'll come back, run down the games that matter in Week 13, and it's kind of annual clunker week, second to last week of the regular season. So we'll discuss the three games that matter next on the Texas Maroon and White Report, CRM Sports Network. All across Texas and beyond, people are buying from Tom Light Chevrolet. Why? Because we constantly challenge ourselves to give you unrivaled savings. With the most competitive internet pricing available, there's no need to drive all over the map for the best closeout deals of the year. Tom Light Chevrolet has the largest selection of Silverados, Cruises, Corvettes, and Camaros in the Brazos Valley. You want more for your trade? Come in and get a free cash offer on your old car with no obligation to buy. Tom White Chevrolet is your official Auto Trader trade-in marketplace dealership. Feel free to walk away with cash or use it as a down payment on your new Chevy. Because we know that when you see these amazing closeout prices, you'll never want to shop anywhere else. That's why since 1972, all roads lead to Tom Light Chevrolet. Come and see our team at North Earl Rudder Freeway in Bryant or shop us online all the time at TomLight.com. Chevy, find new roads. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. Well, look who's home. How was your day, hon? Uh, you know, stressful, exhausting. Lay down on me and we'll talk about it. Oh, Purple Mattress, you know how to support me. Hey, I'm just a mattress doing my job. You're more than that. You're a Purple Mattress. Who cares about a bed with numbers when I have your Purple Grid to comfort my body's pressure points? And forget memory foam. Your non-toxic, hyper-elastic polymer minimizes heat, keeping me cool and comfortable the whole night through. If you're happy, I'm happy. But you do have up to 100 days to return me for a full refund. And give up the best night's sleep I've had since I learned to walk? No way. You're the only one I want to come home to. 
Purple Mattress. You too can come home to a Purple Mattress by texting OFFER to 84888. Take advantage of our best Black Friday sale ever and save up to $400 when you buy a mattress and premium sleep bundle by texting OFFER to 84888. That's keyword O-F-F-E-R to 84888. See purple.com for terms and conditions. From ooh to aww, whatever reaction you're looking for this holiday, spread more joy with holiday cards, calendars, and photo gifts from Vistaprint. And now you can get up to 50% off all holiday cards and calendars at Vistaprint.com. Discover cards in the latest trends or fill a calendar with your favorite photos. So make more merry at Vistaprint.com with up to 50% off all holiday cards and calendars, plus great deals on photo gifts. Just enter code HOLIDAY50 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, code HOLIDAY50. Hey y'all, Jeff Foxworthy here. Now, if you've ever found yourself repeating the same thing over and over for 75 years, you might be Smokey Bear. Only you can prevent wildfires. That's why I'm filling in for Smokey to switch things up, because there's a lot more to say. And I should know, because my grandfather was a firefighter, and one of the things he taught me is that the people that love the outdoors the most are often the ones accidentally starting wildfires. Which means always BYOB. <laughs> no, bring your own bucket to the campfire. And be extra careful with things like burning yard trimmings. Don't just walk away, or chances are you might be starting a wildfire. So, for the love of the outdoors, go to smokybear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. It is the final segment of the Tex-Ags Maroon and White Report on the CRM Sports Network. Gabe Bach with you, and I think there are three games that matter, and one of them matters barely. A&M at Georgia is clearly the prime time game this weekend in the SEC, and it is just a bad, bad game. So we're not going to waste our time with those. So three games, SEC versus SEC, that we'll get into. Number one, Arkansas just 2-8, and 0-6 oh in the league at number one LSU, 10-0, in SEC, number one in the country. 6 o'clock at Tiger Stadium on ESPN, LSU favored by 44 points. Let me say that again. The Tigers at home against Arkansas favored by 44 points. You know what? I think they cover. I think they cover. Arkansas does not have much to play for at all. Chad Morris has already been rung up. They're packing it in right now, and I don't think they could stop LSU. There's nothing... There's nothing they can do to stop what Joe Burrow wants to do as long as they want to keep that offense out there with a, with their first team. Now, you kind of run the risk of a non-cover just because LSU's going to put a lot of backups on the field and just try to run out the clock late in the game. 44 is a ton of points, but my gut tells me they still cover because they're amazing the way they're playing right now. Now, <clears throat> their defense struggled a little bit here. Can Arkansas find some success with Raheem Boyd and and through the air, but – Man, LSU has just got it humming right now, and Arkansas has got nothing going for itself. Tennessee, 5-5. Five and five. Need this win for a bowl game. 3-3 three and three in SEC play at Missouri. 5-5, five 2-4 and, five, two and four in SEC. 6-30 at Faroe Field on the SEC Network. Mizzou favored by four at home. I'm going to go Tennessee to win this game outright, so give me the balls and the points. They'll get bowl eligible. I know Missouri plays much better at home than on the road, but they've just not been playing good football lately, coming off getting – um, shut out at Georgia last weekend. <coughs> so I'm going to go Tennessee to win this game. They're playing much, much better football to go on the road and win the game outright. And that brings us to A&M at 7-3, and 4-2 in the SEC at number 4, Georgia, 9-1, and 6-1 and one in SEC play, 2-30, Sanford Stadium, should be rainy between the hedges on CBS, Georgia favored by 13. And so here's what I'm watching for. My thoughts in this matchup heading into Saturday is the run game trend is going up each week for Texas A&M. You know, A&M offensive, they're they're figuring out their identity right now to run the football, get Mon to fuel it with his legs, uh, and to move the chains via run in the pass. They're not hitting deep uh, throws downfield. They're not a big play offense, but they are moving the ball right now on the ground. But that's what Georgia does very well. 
But A&M continuously, week after week after week, has gotten better and better and better in their run production. But Georgia might have the best run defense in all of college football. Something's got to give, though. So can A&M run it with relative success on the dogs this weekend? I would say if you give me an over-under of 125 on the ground, I would probably do a slight over on that. The Aggies have to figure out how to run it. They can't get stuffed and force themselves to pass. Pass only. And if they can figure out, if the Aggies can figure out how to maintain some balance and use that two-back with Cordarian Richardson, with Isaiah Spiller, and a running Kellen Mond, and be able to have enough balance, I think there are plays to be had in the passing game as well. But not when they can just pin their ears back and they know that A&M's not going to run on them today. If that's the case, the Aggies have no chance. But if they maintain balance, <clears throat> they'll do a, have a better chance of blocking the guys and giving Mon time to operate in the passing game. And I think on that secondary of Georgia, which is good, not great, their front seven's great, their secondary's good, not great, there are plays to be made, in my opinion. So the keys is Kellen Mon. He's got to be fantastic. Not just good, he needs to be the best he's ever been for four quarters. I think he's better than Jake Fromm, but he's got to be much better than Jake Fromm on this particular day. And he's also been much better at home than on the road. He's got to outduel Fromm and carry the Aggies on the field in every way. <clears throat> and if Kellen Mond outduels Fromm, he gives the Aggies a chance to win the game. You also got to find a way to have some semblance of success running the football, and you got to slow down DeAndre Swift when Georgia's got the football. If you do that, hold him under 100, hold the dogs under about 125 to 130 on the ground, it gives you a chance to win this game. And we say it every week, but a fast start is imperative. Start quickly, build some early momentum, limit the craziness and the volume of that environment in Athens. You do that, you got a chance to win the game. I think it's a four-quarter football game. It'll be airtight. It's going to be a spectacular scene in Athens. I do think Georgia wins the game, something like 24-20. to 20. Uh, definite cover for Texas A&M in this game. It's going to be fun to watch. But the Aggies, if they play well, it's going to be about who makes the plays late. I'm giving a slight edge to Georgia at home being the number four team in the country. The pressure's on the dogs, though. The Aggies could play spoiler this week and, of course, next week at LSU. We hope you've enjoyed the program. Big thanks to Olin Buchanan, to Cole Kublik, to former Georgia Bulldogs legendary football coach Vince Dooley, and our producer Dalton Hughes and Richard Zane as well for helping out. And next week, we'll break down that game against Georgia. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're headed to Athens. Can't wait for that. And we'll look ahead to that post-Thanksgiving weekend date in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Gosh, it's going to be a crazy couple of weeks. So we'll break all that down next week. You've been listening to the Tex-Ags Maroon and White Report, CRM Sports Network.